The political landscape keeps evolving. Leaders and all Americans have an obligation to keep up and stand up. The states are the laboratories of democracy. To know where America is going, we must continue to look to the states. Welcome to Gallantly Streaming, a smart and engaging podcast brought to you by the State Financial Officers Foundation. Here are your hosts, Derek Kreifels and Jonathan Williams. Gallantly Streaming is proudly brought to you by Consumers Research, the nation's oldest consumer protection organization. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Gallantly Streaming. We are so glad to be here today. Uh, this is our, our the first time uh, we actually have one of our SFOF member state treasurers joining us. Uh, exciting guest. Uh, we're going to have a great conversation. Uh, I'm your co-host, Derek Kreifels. And I'm your co-host, Jonathan Williams. Excited to be back with you. Yeah, it's great to see you, John, or great to hear you, Jonathan. And, um, and you know, we've had some, uh, some great guests. It's a new year. Um, I got to tell you, the state treasurers are on the move, and um, we couldn't have a better example uh, for the month of January, early February, uh, than the West Virginia state treasurer, Riley Moore. Uh, treasurer Moore, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. Appreciate it. Well, Treasurer Moore, um, you've made headlines recently, um, and uh, and you uh, uh, have done a great job of bringing to light some issues with um, BlackRock. I want to start with that um, because I, I think I saw you on uh, the Ingram Angle. Uh, I've seen you on uh, several uh, national news shows talking about this. Um, what made you decide to make your announcement about your divestment of BlackRock and talk a bit, little bit about the parameters of the announcement and what it actually does uh, in terms of the way that your state investments are structured? Sure. Thank you, Derek. And so essentially we're, we're divested now of BlackRock because BlackRock has been divesting from us here in West Virginia. Uh, they are diametrically opposed to our critical industries. We are an energy state in West Virginia. We do coal and we do gas. And BlackRock has obviously set some of these uh, parameters and goals out in the future as it relates to the fossil fuel industry. Uh, they are actively trying to destroy it um, through kind of coercive capital measures terms of buying out uh, companies and changing them from the inside out and um, for us look I'm not going to pay BlackRock with taxpayer dollars to destroy our industries here essentially they're making money off of our dollars which there's a substantial portion of our dollars are generated from coal and gas which are called severance taxes so they're going to manage dollars which are generated for the very the very industries in which they want to destroy and so there's a clear conflict of interest there so we started looking for uh, alternatives and felt like we found a good one and uh, for us you know to move out of BlackRock I think was the right thing to do not only do you have the ESG concerns out there and obviously their um, opposition to our critical industries. But then you have this hypocrisy that goes on with BlackRock where they're heavily invested in China 
and China is currently building 55 brand new coal-fired power plants. And so coal is apparently okay in China, but not okay in America. And to me, we need to be putting America first. We need to be talking about energy independence. And this is all very interesting timing for this uh, announcement from my office and also uh, Larry Fink's letter, uh, also from BlackRock, as you watch things going on in Europe right now. I mean, the Europeans are obviously in a very precarious place because they are so heavily reliant on Russian gas. They are not energy independent. They very hastily shuttered their gas and coal operations and even nuclear in Germany, uh, for instance. And what they do, they couldn't replace those energy requirements with renewables fast enough. And those renewables, sustainables, are actually not sustainable. And they're not able to sustain baseload energy. So what they do, they started importing Russian gas. So, I mean, energy independence is obviously something I think most Americans support. Certainly West Virginians do. And for us, uh, I'd say here in West Virginia... The only kind of black rock that we like is coal. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's a great, great line. Um, I, uh, you know, looking, kind of taking a, a bigger picture view, Treasure Moore, we're in this woke capitalism mess. Are we in this woke capitalism mess because the squeaky wheel uh, gets the grease and leftist activists have been mercilessly working the refs in your opinion? I think that's part of it. But I think another part of that is that we've not had a lot of voices on the other side uh, previously in previous years, uh, not only speaking it out against this, but taking action, turning words into action, which is what we're trying to do. Look, this is a marketplace, and what we're trying to do is state our preferences in that marketplace and who we would like to do business here in West Virginia. And there are a lot of other states that feel the exact same way that we do, as uh, people may or may not be aware, but back in November, as it relates to banking activity and banking contracts, not investments, but banking activity, we had a letter that I led with 15 other state treasurers all of which, uh, almost all of which, are in SFOF, as well as I am, stating that we're going to reform our banking contract process and where we are going to ask questions or reform the RFP process that is going to uh, change the way that we do business. And the way that's going to change is if they're boycotting the fossil fuel industry, these banks, um, they're going to have a harder time getting a contract with that respective state here in West Virginia, they're going to have to certify they're not boycotting the fossil fuel industry or they are not going to be eligible for a banking contract here in West Virginia. Treasurer Moore, I've always uh, appreciated your service now as state treasurer and being a really a leading voice among state treasurers and being uh, really a, a cable news uh, celebrity now, being all on uh, Fox and uh, having some great exposure. But before that, you were a state legislator and had that experience at the state legislative level, which I think is very uh, valuable as well. So I appreciate that well-rounded experience. But on um, on this issue and, and the issues that you're speaking out on, it seems like you and your colleagues are getting more vocal even in the last you know, six months. Uh, is there a trend afoot, you think, among 
right-leaning state legislators and right-leaning state treasurers and state auditors, uh, maybe many of whom are SFOF members, on speaking up more loudly on issues that are impactful, like the ones you've been talking about? Um, Absolutely, Jonathan. So yesterday, uh, for instance, Indiana uh, took up a piece of legislation that looks very similar to the bill that Texas passed. And that bill essentially does what I was just talking about, where if you're boycotting the fossil fuel industry, you're no longer going to be doing business with that state government. They took up that bill in committee yesterday in Indiana. It passed the committee and it's moving through the process. And they are not going to be the only state that is doing this. This is a movement now to push back at the state level against this. And the support I've had here in the state legislature has been uh, tremendous uh, for the efforts that we've been undertaking to push back on this woke capitalism that's going on in this country. And it's really using capital, unfortunately, in a coercive manner. And if you read Larry Fink's letter, one of the most interesting uh, excerpts of that is it says capitalism has the power to shape society. So, of course, they're using buzzwords that we all like, capitalism. What they're really saying is capital, lots of money, which BlackRock has, has the power to shape society. Now, what if we don't want the same shape of society that BlackRock wants? And in West Virginia, I can promise you we don't. So that's why we have to continue to stand up and fight against this, or we're going to get buried by it. It sounds like the conversation Derek and I were just having recently about kind of the perverse golden rule. When we think of the golden rule as doing to others as you'd like have done to yourself, but uh, one definition of it that we were just talking about in our last episode with Vivek Ramaswamy uh, that he learned, I think, at uh, Goldman or one of the banks that he worked with in New York was, you know, those that have the gold make the rules. And unfortunately, it gets directly to your point there. That's, that is a yeah, very yeah. good way to put it. And uh, he's got a tremendous book out there, uh, Woke Inc., that uh, hopefully yeah. everybody picks up yeah. at some point. But uh, he's exactly right. I mean, think about ESG. Now, that second letter as social, right? Social. And they talk about it within that human rights and things of that nature. BlackRock and all these guys are doing business over in China. China's got a genocide going on right now with the Uyghur population there. They're essentially in concentration camps. And you have human rights violations all over the place in China. So I'm not really sure how that fits. It seems that, you know, what's good for the goose is not good for the gander here, so to speak. Um, It's massively hypocritical. And so... I think when they're saying the power to shape society, I mean, certainly they're talking about the United States and maybe perhaps Europe, but obviously they're talking about here and uh, in the U.S. And as I said, West Virginians, we don't want that same shape of society that they want. And did anybody get to vote for this? Nobody got to vote for this. And as you said, those who have the gold get to make the rule. (laughs) And that's that's what we need to fight about, uh, fight against, because I think it's really... uh, coercive cap uh, uh coercive uh corporatism that's happening on here yeah and for the listeners out there um, that might be listening to this the letter that treasurer moore keeps referring to um was this stakeholder letter uh, annual stakeholder letter that larry fink uh released uh recently 
um, you know, talking about and doing all of this work in the name of capitalism. There was a great article by Andrew Stutterford at National Review um, that I loved. And just FYI, Treasure, if you have a chance to read it, um, called The Wrong Kind of Capitalism. Um, and it's a great kind of re rebuttal to his, uh, to his, his uh, letter. Um, what are financial institutions saying to you behind the scenes right now? I mean, are they suddenly, you know, self-pitying for, for now getting grief from both sides or all sides? Or are they, um, what are they, are you hearing from them? I am. I just had a call today with uh, one of the top 10 banks in the country and they're listening to me. Uh, they're listening to us is what I'd like to say, because they're hearing this from other states as well and they see what's going on and they're trying to balance uh, a little bit more as it relates to ESG, looking more perhaps a little more internally to what they're doing and maybe perhaps finding other ways to meet those goals where it's, you know, could they balance portfolios out in terms of loan exposure and portfolios say, you know, all right, we have this much renewable, which then can cancel out essentially how much we're doing in fossil fuels rather than just total divestment uh, from fossil fuels or a presumption of denial of access to capital. So now that's a half a loaf. It's not the whole loaf, obviously, but it seems to be moving in the right direction to me, uh, some of these banks that I'm hearing from. Now, the banks in West Virginia, uh, they're happy because, I mean, they're not undertaking any of this stuff. So what is it going to take, do you think, uh, to really reach a breakthrough with kind of the woke corporate culture in America and ultimately persuade them to get back to neutral when it comes to political and even policy involvement? I mean, we've known for you know a long history, some companies have been more on the Democratic side of the aisle, some have been more Republican leading in their giving. Um, but what does it take now to get kind of woke corporate culture back to neutral to realize, you know, America may be a 50-50 country, but given to where they're putting their gold, so to speak, in many cases, they've been, you know, favoring certainly the coastal elite point of view and the left-wing point of view in so many cases recently. Yeah, I mean, I think it's us continuing to raise the volume on this issue. There are a lot of people that don't know that this is even going on. And I mean, when it starts to filter down to the... Um, say the 401k holder or the um, pension holder or things of that nature, the individual level, when they start asking questions, when you start to filter down to that level, which is where they are on the other side, by the way, that's how we part of the way that we got here and people becoming more active in corporate boardrooms, obviously. And, and uh, really a kind of takeover of that whole um, apparatus. It, it's, all of us continuing to raise the volume on this and continuing to push back and people understanding what's happening out there, which is why it's so great to have a podcast like this and why it's so important to continue to talk about these issues. Riley, why can you articulate why you think it's um, so essential for state financial officers, i.e. state treasurer, state auditors, state controllers, state CFOs, to be pushing back against woke capitalism. I think there's a lot of folks that listen to this that are part of the free market movement. And, um, you know, the, the initial response that we hear is, um, you know, well, a state treasurer doesn't have the authority to really propose any new legislation. They don't have the power to do this. Um, 
help articulate maybe our perspective in terms of why you think it's so essential for our financial officers to be pushing back like this? Well, state treasurers are actually in a very unique position, and that is being the chief financial officer of their state. They are duly elected and have constituents throughout their entire states. They're statewide elected. And so we're able to kind of speak with the taxpayer dollars, uh, is what I'd say. And because you're not just a bureaucrat in here, you are an elected official and you are there to represent the equities and interests of your constituents. And you can do that in a way that's uniquely different than say attorney generals do where it's, they might sue over a certain issue or something like that. This has more of an immediate effect. Um, and the end of the day, citizens are paying taxes, industries are paying taxes to the state in which you manage those dollars. And so there is, I believe, a responsibility to have those dollars invested um, in a manner that reflects the interest and equity of your constituents. Um, I think that's why it's somewhat uniquely different uh, than some of the other, what we call here, constitutional officers, attorney general or secretary of state or something like that. So um, it, I think it's a great opportunity uh, for all state treasurers to really start to weigh in on this uh, new battlefront, unfortunately, that has emerged, but I think could have a really uh, strong impact on the outcomes in the future. That's so great. being the economist, uh, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I think we have, I think we have time for maybe one more question, Jonathan. Yes, and being the economist, Treasurer Moore, I have to ask you about West Virginia. And uh, you know, we just got the census official count back recently, and West Virginia was among the states to lose a congressional district, and so was Woke California, the first time they lost a congressional district since statehood in 1850, by the way, as well as Woke New York lost congressional representation because of the out-migration from, from that state as well. But you know, talk uh, for a minute about what that means in terms of, it's not just congressional power, of course, more importantly, it's lost economic vitality as people have left the state. I mean, my home state of Michigan, same thing. This has happened for decades in Michigan. You could say in a way, you know, the war on energy has taken its toll when it comes to population in places like West Virginia. You know, what's the future, though? What's the ticket out? How does West Virginia turn course now, even with the headwinds at the federal level with some of these dynamics we've been talking about? And certainly the Biden administration's war on energy is continuing. Uh, how does West Virginia become a growth state again? And how do you reverse that outflow of population? And how do you work 10 years from now to a spot where you're gaining that congressional seat back and all those jobs with it? Well, you know, I do have good news on that front. So since the census, uh, we actually have had for the first time in a very long time, a net positive gain in population growth here in West Virginia. And we, since we took the legislature in the 2014 elections, Democrats had controlled the state for 83 years prior to that in both legislative bodies and almost the governorship in its totality, except for two gentlemen. Um, so we have been able to start to turn the tide now, but it does take time to do that. And population loss has been happening in West Virginia for decades, but I am happy to report that we have had uh, the tide start to turn. We just had a huge 
uh, economic announcement here uh, just this month, New Core Steel is doing their biggest project in the United States in West Virginia. It's a $2.7 billion uh, steel manufacturing facility that we're very proud to have. And I think that's just the first of many to come. And we have cheap and abundant energy here in the state. And I think that's certainly a draw. We've been able to change not only the uh, tax climate in the state, the business climate in the state, but also the legal climate in the state. We've done a lot of tort reform as well. And it's starting to pay in dividends now. It's starting to turn around. And it is a, uh, a long process to make that turn. Um, one thing I did want to mention before we go, though, to just circle back on Derek's question about free market is just to be clear here, I am not a market regulator as a state treasurer. I'm a market participant. And what I am stating is my preferences in the marketplace as a participant. I'm fighting for the free market to be free. I mean, you have a, a I'm not the market uh, distortion. It's these companies out here that are practicing aggressive ESG that are the market distortion. We are not. You have outright denial of capital to some of these energy companies, and they can do that. That's their right to do that. But it's also our right to say we're going to do business with folks that want to do business with us. So the market is it is actually speaking as we are a market participant. That's great. Well, uh, West Virginia Treasury Riley Moore, uh, thanks so much for being with us today. Um, kudos to you and your team for all of their hard work. Um, again, I, I said this before the podcast started, but I'll say it again. Uh, it's uh, it's kind of surreal that you are doing all that you're doing and you're only in your, your infancy of your four-year term. You're into your second year as state treasurer and um, you have hit the ground, uh, I said, not running, but flying through the air. And so we appreciate your leadership um, and uh, we, we appreciate all of that you do for the citizens of West Virginia. Well, thank you so much. That's very kind. And uh, it's really a pleasure to be on here today. Thank you so much. You bet. And if you want to learn more about West Virginia Treasurer Riley Moore, you can go to his website. You can also check out his, uh, his follow him on Twitter at WV Treasury. Um, he, uh, his office, uh, his communications team are great at keeping citizens and uh, followers informed on the latest and greatest of what Treasure Moore is up to. So um, with that, Jonathan, thank you so much. It's good to be with you again. And um, we're signing off. We'll see you in the next episode of Gallantly Streaming. Thank you for listening today. For more information, visit us online at www.sfof.com. <laughs>